All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going today. Uh, this is week number two of our series called All Aboard. Um, and over the next several weeks, we're going to challenge you to understand that the gospel costs nothing, um, but it demands everything. And it demands that we get on board with God's plans for our lives and not our plans. Now, when we talk about all aboard, and we talk about getting all aboard on with God's plans, and, and, and we talk about the gospel demands everything, I get it. That can be a little bit scary. And you're probably like, well, well what is it? Like, wh- what is it that, that God demands? Or, or what is it that the church is going to demand? We just talked about all this money. What is, what is the church going to say? Or what will Pastor Ryan ask me to do? I'm uncertain I want to jump into that. I'm, I don't really, I, I don't really know that I want to get on board. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty with me with that. And those are legit feelings because let's be honest, uncertainty is something that all of us face probably more days than not anymore. Um, everybody here, has felt some type of uncertainty in your life, yes or no? Yeah, I mean, we've been dealing with uncertainty right now in our nation for almost two years. There's, there's uncertainty um, that dominates the world. Like, like we've never seen anything like happening on a daily basis, like with the virus. And the, the scare that's going on causes so much uncertainty. But I thought while, while we talk about that and while we see that all the time, it's important for us not just to, not to ignore the uncertainty that's happening on a national and, and global um, scope, but, but there, there are people, maybe even in here right now, that you experience personal uncertainty. And maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with what's going on in our country. Maybe it has nothing to do with, with any of that. Maybe it just, it's so personal and, and, and you're like, like, is God going to work? Is God going to move in this situation? Like, I don't know how God is going to bring me out of this. Is God going to pull me out of this anxiety? Am I going to be depressed for the rest of my life? Am I going to be financially strapped for the rest of my life? Am I going to struggle with this this addiction forever? Like, there's uncertainty. And what I know about uncertainty is uncertainty brings about stress, anxiety, and worry in our lives. Think about it. If you didn't have any uncertainty, you wouldn't have any anxiety. Right? Because you would know what the future holds. And if you don't have, if you know what the future holds, then you're not going to be stressed out about it. And and it's not going to bring worry. And and so all of that, it it all kind of works together. And so today I want to share a thought with you. And this is, um, this is kind of like the sermon in a sentence. This is, this is what's going to drive the entire message today. And it's this. In my darkest moments of uncertainty, I can know that Jesus is with me. My darkest moments of uncertainty, I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is with me. Because in times of uncertainty, we, we're almost convinced that we've been abandoned, forgotten, or that we're alone, right? But it's in those darkest moments of uncertainty that we can absolutely be certain that the Lord is with us, the Lord is for us, and the Lord will bring us through the situation. Now, I want to show you this, this story in Second Chronicles about a king named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a king of um, the southern part of Israel at the time. It was called Judah. And he came to power, and he began to fix a lot of stuff. He began to, to put things back into place, get the country back where it needed to be. But in chapter 20, we, we see something happen that creates a ton of uncertainty for Jehoshaphat. Check this out. Start in verse 1. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mennonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. 
messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hezanon Tamar. That was another name for Engedi. Now, this is a serious situation. What's going on is Jehoshaphat's in Jerusalem, and everything's normal. He's just having an average, every normal day type scenario. Everything's going to great. And all of a sudden, some messengers come to him, and they're like, hey, king, well, we're about to get an attack. There's an invading army. And not only is it it's not just one army, king, it's a combined army of three forces. Not only that, but they're closing in on Jerusalem very, very fast. And by the time he found out, it was almost too late for them to do anything, for them to assemble and to fight back. He was getting attacked, and he didn't see it coming. Now, everyone knows what that's like. For something to happen in your life that you didn't see coming. Um, the other day, I, I was, yesterday, actually, last night, I was cleaning, I was, I was sweeping, which this is God saying I shouldn't do any of that stuff. And so I'm doing, and I turned around and, and there was this cabinet and I, and I turned around like right into it and smacked my head and I got a concussion or something. I don't know, but I've got a big bump right here and it was bleeding and was, I feel sorry for me, please. Like give me an awe or something. Um, it, it was awful. Uh, Mary, Mary just laughed at me, but, um, we know what that's like though, right? When, when you don't see something coming and it just kind of smacks you, it's just something unexpected. Uh, many of us know that we can have something unexpectedly tragic happen in our lives. It's a phone call or an email, or a text message, or a knock down, a knock on, knock on the, knock on the door, you're riding down the road and your check engine light comes on. You just didn't see it coming. Like, th- think about this. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but, but I, but I got to mention it because when the coronavirus first came out, like, we made fun of it, right? I, I remember, like, standing right here, we were just starting a series on spiritual warfare. And in the message, I said, have you guys heard about this coronavirus thing? And I made a joke about it being like a, a bad batch of beer, cheap beer that somebody made in their basement, caught a virus from it or something. Remember that? And, and then we started hearing about it more and more. It was like once a week we were hearing about it, and then twice a week, and then three times a week. And then we shut down for a few weeks. Now that's all you can find. It, it dominates everything that we see. It's in sports. It's all over the news. I mean, it's just absolutely everywhere. And and, and I know people say, well, it's the government. They did this. And listen, politicians don't have any control over that. All right. I know there's conspiracies that the government did. Here's the point of this whole thing. At the end of the day, we never saw it coming, right? We, we, We never saw that coming. And we didn't ever think that we'd be in the type of situations that we're in now today. Just like many of us didn't see the personal situations that have taken us by surprise. We didn't take, we didn't, we didn't see it coming. So what do you do? What do you do when seemingly life falls apart on you because something tragic has happened in your life? Well, Jehoshaphat did something that was so, um, just kind of counterintuitive. Now listen, I would love to be able to stand up here and tell you I'd have done the same exact thing. Um, but I know me. <laughs> and, and I kind of have the tendency, like I don't, I don't know if you do, but when things kind of fall apart in my life, I have like the spiritual gift of freaking out. Any, anybody else have that? I know it's not like a real spiritual gift, but if it was, um, that would be like mine. Anyway, this is what happens. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Now, is our country terrified by news on a daily basis, yes or no? Yes. Jehoshaphat 
It's terrifying. Now, again, let's make this personal. I know that what some of you are dealing with is absolutely terrifying. Terrified, and, and you're terrified about what you're personally going through. It's very normal to be terrified. Now, I've heard people say, on, on the other side of this, I've heard people say, well, the Bible says do not fear. You're right. The Bible does say do not fear. In fact, the Bible says do not fear 366 times, one for every day of the year, including yeep year. But I would argue... That the reason God says it 366 times, the reason God is repeating it over and over again, is because we have the tendency to forget. Yes or no? Yes. And when we forget, we freak out. I forget, you forget, we all forget. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news, and he begged the Lord for guidance, which is a really good idea, right? It's a really good idea to go to prayer. Right now, we're in our second week of our 21 days of prayer. Prayer is always, always, always a good thing. He went to the Lord, he prayed, he asked for guidance. Then look at this. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So they're all coming together to pray. Now, this next part, because this first part is looking good. Everything is like, okay, this, this is great. It goes away. I wouldn't expect it to go because little confession. Um, I don't know about you, but when bad things happen to me, I have the tendency to do one of two things. Number one, as I said earlier, I have the tendency to freak out. Number two, I have the tendency to ask God why. Anybody else? Why me, God? Like, God, couldn't you let this happen to somebody else? God, I know people who are worse than me. Matter of fact, I got a list. Here it is. Go down the street. You can curse them. But why does this have to be going on in my life, God? God, don't you know what I've been doing? Haven't you seen the good things? Hey, God, I've assembled the people. We've been praying. We've been doing Like, God, why does this happen? But Jehoshaphat doesn't do that. Watch this. Verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And, er, arrived? and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us. And rescue us. Jehoshaphat, don't miss it, starts out by saying, God, I just want to start out by telling you, man, you are good. And if I could be incredibly honest and transparent with you today, that's not my reaction when bad things happen. My, my reaction is, are you kidding me? God, where are you? But his thing is like, God, you are so good. This blows my mind that instead of standing in front of God crying out or yelling or screaming or asking questions, he talks about the goodness and the greatness of God. Because, l listen, we can ask questions, right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but, but and I'm not blaming anybody, but these are the questions I would have asked God. How? God, how could you let this happen to us? I mean, God, I thought we were doing good. 
I thought we were doing right things. Like, God, I'm putting Judah back the way that it should be. I'm trying to get the people to follow you again. We're doing all of these great things. I thought I personally was a good person. But then you, you let this, this army come and they're going to invade us. God, don't you know they're going to kill us. They're going to make us prisoner. God, how could you let this happen to us? God, how could you let this happen to me? That wasn't his thing. He was like, God, before I even ask you for anything, I just need to tell you how good you are. I just want to talk about how much you've blessed us. I want to talk about how much you've always taken care of us. God, I just want to talk to you about how good you are. So for me, what I get from this is that in times of uncertainty, I've had to learn I need to look back at all the times he was there for me. And that's what you need to do too. We need to learn how to look back and see all the times that God was there for us. Because when we get caught up in the moment, we can forget all that God has done for us. Because when we forget what God has done for us, we'll forget that God has been good to us. And we'll get caught up in that moment, and then we'll start freaking out. But as we look back and we see how faithful he's been, that gives us cause to say, God, I don't care what's going on in my life right now. You are good. You know why we can say that? You know how we can know that? Because some of us, we should be sick, but we're not sick. We should be in a ditch, but we're not in a ditch. We should be in a hospital, but we're not in a hospital. We should be crazy, but we're not crazy. We should be dead, but we're not dead. And the reason we're not any of those things is because God was good to us then. And if he was good to us then, why in the world would we think he's not going to be good to us today and in the future? God is good. Amen? Even... In the darkest moments of uncertainty, I can rest assured that God is going to be good to me because he has been good to me. He's been good to me. He's been good to you. He's been good to us. And so Jehoshaphat starts praising God. And then this gets crazy. Verse 10. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire are doing. So, so after he praises God, he kind of informs God about the problem, which... God knows, but sometimes this isn't for God, this is, this is for us. To just kind of put it out there. This is to remind us that we can pour our hearts out to God. We can tell God anything. God is not bothered by our honest prayers. In fact, I think, I think God is bothered when your prayers aren't honest. Just want to float that out there. Probably talk about that some other time. Just think about that for a while. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? He's like, listen, we can't stop them. Like, we don't have enough time. We can't assemble the army. We can't do anything. God, we need you to help. God, they're coming after us. Like, you let them go before. They built up all of this stuff. They did all of these things. And now they're here. God, we can't do it. God, we need you. Do you know that sometimes God will allow us to get in the middle of a situation that reminds us how out of control we are so that we can be reminded how in control he is? Like, I don't know about you, but, but I, I need a reminder of that from time to time. Because if I don't get there, I begin to think that I control everything. And then when the bottom falls out, I realize, oh, I didn't control anything. And so he's coming right here and he's like, hey, this is your problem. And, and then he says this, and I love this, I love this, he's so honest. This is the king of Judah. This is the leader 
of the nation. This is the guy holding everything together. And this is what he said. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. You ever been there? You ever been there? I have no idea what to do. I've been in that situation so many times in my life, personally, where I don't know what to do. You've been in those situations. Some of you might be in those situations right now, literally, where you don't know what to do. But here's the thing that has encouraged me so much. He, he says this, we do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. See, here's the thing that gets me, and I, I don't know why this is, but, but for many of us, it takes the bottom completely falling out to ask for help. I mean, think about it. You're not asking for help when you're healthy, right? You're not asking for help when things are good. You're not asking for help when everything is going great. But sometimes things will happen to remind us that we really do need God's help. And I think one of the reasons is, is because he wants us to see, again, how out of control we are so that we can see how control, how in control he is. Because he rules and reigns supreme. There is no one higher, there is no one greater than him. Watch this. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, so everybody's together, right? The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jehiel, son of Mattaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaphah. Now, in other words, what, what's happening right here is they're trying to say, hey, we know who this guy is. Right? We, we want to let you know. We know who his grandpa is. We know who his grandpa is. We know who his grandpa is. We know all that. In other words, he's, he's credible. The Spirit of God moves on that guy. And then this happens in verse 15. He said, listen to all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Now, I got to point something out here. Um, when the Lord says something, he is going to say it very clearly. Um, if, if you're a Christian, you, you probably understand what this is like. If, God is, if you've ever felt God has spoken to you, whether it's through his Holy Spirit or whether it's through the word, it connects with you. It resonates in your spirit. You know exactly what this feels like. When, this is when we talk about God telling us, um, take your next step. Like we, we know what it is and we know there needs to be obedience in the moment. We don't need to delay it. We just need to say yes, God, to whatever God is saying to do. That, that's what's happening right here. All right. And this guy says, this is what the Lord says. Says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Great advice, dude. <laughs> There's this massive army coming, and you're telling us not to be afraid? How are we supposed to do that? He says, yeah, don't be afraid. You see that army out there? He says, yes, don't be afraid. Listen, this is a reminder that we need to take our attention off of the problem and put it on God's word. That, that's what's happening right here. Hey, don't be afraid. Don't worry about the problem. Let's look at what the word of God says. And, and why is it? This is another message for another time, but I'm just going to ask this question. Why is it that we always reduce God to the size of our biggest problem? Isn't he bigger than anything we could ever possibly face? Yes or no? Yes. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle, I love this. The battle is not yours, but whose? But God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Sweet. God's going to go take care of it. But then watch this. Tomorrow. Whoa, 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 whoa. What about today? What, 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 what do you mean tomorrow, God? See, oftentimes we'll get into the middle of a situation and we want God to handle it right then and right there. And God says, no, 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 no. I got a plan. But, but here's the thing about my plan. My plan is going to happen in my time, 
not yours. God is going to handle our situations. But church, listen to me. It's going to be in his time, not ours. Tomorrow, he says, march out against them. All right. Let's get the army together. I mean, we might be able to do a little bit of stuff. I, I don't know. We don't, we don't really have enough time to get people in place, but let's get some things together. And, and God's like, yeah, just, just march. Just go. March out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens in the wilderness of Jeriel. In other words, God is saying, listen, I knew this army was coming. I'm not surprised at what they're doing. Nobody in heaven is, is wigging out. I, I knew it was going to happen. I knew this was coming. I have a plan. This is what you need to do. Just like God knew that uncertainty was going to happen in your life. It's going to happen in my life. And while we are freaking out, God is in control. God's got a plan. He's got a way to work it all out. I don't know what that plan is. I, I don't. I just know that God is God and I am not. And stuff like this reminds me of that. And stuff like this should remind you of that. Goes on to say this in, in verse 17, but you will not even need to fight. Jehoshaphat's saying, that's good. <laughs> cool. Like, cause we're not even ready. You won't even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. How many of us need to be reminded of that? He is with us. You feel alone, you feel abandoned, you've got questions, you're in the middle of uncertainty, the enemy looks bigger, the problem is huge, it's massive, but listen, he is with you. Even in the moments, my darkest times of uncertainty, I can know that God is with me. It says, oh, people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. If you're in the middle of something, you need to know the Lord is with you. And he's going to work it out. Like, you're going to be okay. I, I don't know when, and I don't know how. I just know that his word says, he is with you. He's going to bring you out, like we talked about last week. He's going to bring you out of the sickness. He's going to bring you out of the debt. You can come out of the depression. You can come out of the anxiety. You can come out of the addiction. You can come out of the situation. You can come out of the sadness. Like, you feel like you're trapped in something, but you can understand he is with you, so you can get ready to come out. And the reason you can come out is because the Lord is with you. He does not abandon his children. He's never left us, and he's never forsaken us. Again, amen? Now, verse 18, starts talking about the battle plan. And I'm not sure this is the best battle plan in the world. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to let you know, like, this, this is crazy. But this is what God says. Then King Joseph bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. What were they doing? Worshiping the Lord. This is, this is crazy because you've got this army closing in. Like they should be sharpening their swords, getting their arrows ready, horsing or saddling up the horses and, and all of that. Um, no, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to worship. Like, let's just have a worship. Like, this is absolutely crazy to me. Verse 19. Then the Levites from the clans of Goath and Koran stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And I, I kind of, every time I read this, I picture Braveheart. Like he's sitting there, his face is all painted up and he's saying all that. Because this is him saying, hey, this is a time where we got to come together. This is a time where I know you're tempted to doubt, but this is the time where you've got to stand firm and you've got to believe. This is the time when you have to have faith, 
even in the even if moments. Remember we talked about it last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These guys are in the same situation. Hey, Joseph, can God deliver us from this army? Absolutely. Will he? I don't know. But I'm going to walk like I believe he can. Can God deliver me from this situation? I don't know. Can he? Yes. Will he? I don't know. But I'm going to walk like he will. Then he says this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Now, we're thinking battle strategy here. Who are we going to put out first? Archers? No, not the archers. Not the archers. Calvary? No, not the Calvary. Who are we going to put out first? Claudia. <laughs> now, listen, she's mighty. She'd probably, like, tear somebody up, I'm pretty sure. But guys, like, get the guitar player, the bass player, the ukulele guy, the flute guy, the tambourine guy. You want them to lead the charge? Like, that's crazy, isn't it? He says, the singers to walk out ahead of the army. I just picture, like, a bunch of dudes in T-shirts and skinny jeans with a scarf. Like, I guess I would run away from that. I don't know. The singers walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, this is what gets me about this situation. We joke about it, but typically I worship best when things are going good in my life. Typically I worship best after God has delivered me from something. Anybody else like that? But, but right here, the king says, hey, we're going to walk like we've already won. We're going to walk in worship. And we might be walking right into battle, but we're going to walk into that battle with our minds focused on God. We're going to walk not with worry, but with worship. And, and when I look at that, I think, man, that needs to be us. We need to get on board with worshiping God. We, we've got a choice we got a choice over the next week, over these next several months, we, over the next year or years to come. We can walk and worry or we can walk and worship. We can walk like we're not sure what God is going to do or we can walk like we have already won. We can walk with our heads held high. We can walk knowing God is in control. We can walk and worship. And church, we need to get on board with worshiping God. We need to learn how to say, I don't know what the situation is going to look like ultimately, but I'm going to walk into it with worship. I am going to worship God. That's one of the things I would challenge every single one of you to do this week is to spend some time in worship. Because even when you're uncertain, you can worship. In fact, that's when worship gets real, when you're not sure what's going to happen. God, 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 I have no idea what's going to happen right now, but I'm going to worship you anyway. God, I'm not sure if I'm going to get delivered, but I'm going to worship you anyway. Worship isn't, God, I'm going to worship you when everything is perfect. Worship is God. Everything is falling apart, but you're still God. And you're still good. And some way, somehow, I am going to worship you, even if. You don't move the way I think you should move. That's worship. And that's worship. Let me just kind of throw this in there too. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, talking about this, but I want to throw it out there. Worship is more than singing. Worship, many people say, is a lifestyle. And so how do we get there? How do we get on board worshiping God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind? Because this is what happens next, verse 22. At that very moment, they began to sing. At that very moment, this is the posture, this is the attitude. This became their, their lifestyle. 
They began to sing and give praise to the Lord. The Lord caused. Who caused? The Lord. The Lord. Because he's in control. Right? He's sovereign. He rules and reigns supreme. Not me. Not you. Not Jehoshaphat. Not anybody else. The Lord. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire to start fighting amongst themselves. And so here comes these armies, and Israel starts praising, and they start fighting each other. This is crazy. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Sire and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Sire, they began attacking each other. Can you see this? Like they're out there singing, giving thanks to the Lord. You're so good. You're so awesome. What in the world's going on? Like they're fighting each other. Hey, sing louder, right? Like as they're worshiping, God's handling the situation. Let me promise you something. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working and he's handling your situation. All we have to do is walk in worship. Hey, again, if you're a Christian, let's get on board with God and let's walk like we've won this thing. Let's, let's walk like we're not defeated because victims never walk in victory. So let's walk in confidence because right here, the scripture goes on to say they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies laying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a, don't, this is huge. Don't miss this. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. You know Why? Because God had handled the situation. And when God handles something, he handles it completely. God doesn't halfway do anything. And then he says this, and this is my favorite part of the story. Nobody really ever talks about this, but I love this. This, I absolutely love this. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. See, at first they thought they were going to get plundered. But at the end of the story... They're plundering the enemy. We thought this was a problem. But boys, let's go out and let's plunder. And look at this. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they can carry. This was so, there was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. So what started out as uncertainty ended in victory. How about you? How about you? I'm telling you, man, when you get on board with worship, things change. When you begin to worship God, even, and and listen, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know praise him in the storm and all that stuff. I know all of that stuff is goofy, but, but what if, what if we could get to the, to, to those even if moments, even though you're not working the way I want you to work, even though you're not doing what I want you to do, like you're, you're going to move. What starts out in panic in your life, could you ever see it turning into plunder? In those times when you're tempted to freak out and panic, listen to me, not only is God going to bring you out, but he's going to bring you better than you went into the situation because that's the kind of God that we have. That's the kind of God that we serve, that, that he always adds to us, always, always. Let's get on board with worshiping God with all that we've got. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song together. So join me in prayer. Father, right now, Jesus, thank you that you are good. I want to thank you that a story that's thousands of years old is so applicable to today. God, I want to thank you right now that you are good and you're in control. And I pray that we would put all of our attention on you. We we need you, God. We need you. I want to pray for every person here today that maybe you're in a season of uncertainty. I pray that God would speak to you over the next several moments and, and remind you that 
as you hold his hand, everything is going to be okay. As we sing this song, if, if, if you need prayer, I'll ask you to step out of your aisle and step out the back door and there'll be people out there that would love to meet with you and take you up to our prayer room and, and pray with you and pray for you and talk to you about what it is that, that you might be going through, what you might be struggling with. Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you, you've received Jesus in your life. You've never received the gift of salvation that he freely offers to you and you want to talk to somebody about that. I encourage you to please go talk to someone about that. Maybe you just want to talk about worship. Maybe you want to talk about it being more than just singing and, and, and becoming a lifestyle. Step out and let somebody take you upstairs and, and pray with you and talk you through that process. God, we love you. We praise you. And I ask God as we sing this song that you remind us that your love endures forever. That you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never abandon us. Always and forever, no matter what. That's how you love us. Because of that, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. And if you need prayer, you you, you go get up to the prayer room and get prayer. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Setting sun, 